Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California and now living in beautiful Wuhan, China. Today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. My name is Alex Chur. I am from the Northeast part of China. And I'm speaking to Jason and all of you today in Beijing, China. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. I want to talk about monitoring your employees. So I've worked at schools a lot. And, you know, that's a really good idea, you know, to have a school, mm. to have a, a camera in the classroom. Even we usually have two or three from different angles. If a child gets hurt, we know exactly what happened in the context and everything. And so I'm used to it personally because of the safety of the children. And that's paramount. But a lot of other kinds of jobs are increasingly monitoring their employees. Mm. Let me give you another example. Actually, I used to work in a cash room. What's a, what's a cash room? In a place in countries that still have cash, <laughs> United States of America. <laughs> I worked at the zoo and there's a cash room there. It's a, for sending oh, out like bags okay. of money to the vendors and it's like a sealed and brick walls and all that stuff. And I, I So quite literally the cash, the room full of cash. It's a room full of cash. So obviously- wow. Also, in an environment like that, I, it makes a lot of sense to me that, that you would have cameras from different directions, making sure that all the cash is in the right place and whatever's going down, you have that monitored. Of course. I have always worked, apparently, in jobs where being monitored makes sense, mm. but it doesn't always make sense. Yeah. And so I found this article from finance.yahoo.com, mm. and the article's title is Thinking about monitoring your employees at work, study shows they're more likely to slack off, disregard your instructions, <laughs> or even steal office supplies. This is by Sophie Mellor. So I read through this. Basically, they did a study uh, across uh, U.S.-based employees, 200 different employees, mm. and they found that when cameras are installed, that employees are more likely to not work hard and also to steal, to actually steal <laughs> stuff from the workplace. And I, I was really confused by this because it made no sense. This is counterintuitive, right? Yeah. When you say that, it's like a lot of times people overlook the fact that <laughs> innately we're all a little bit rebellious. So when you put a cameras, when you put cameras in place and saying that you can do this, is that I'm like, all right, challenge, challenge accepted. Oh, wow. I'm going to try. You know, I think that's how a lot of people's psychology works. I'm that guy who would, I feel bad if I took a tissue from the tissue box on the way out of work because it's still like I might be leaving work with this tissue. Model employee. <laughs> <laughs> if I take a pencil from work, I'll bring it back the next day because like, oh, oh, no, this is my work pencil. How did I left this over my ear and now it's home? Uh Oh, I better bring this back. Hopefully no one notices. <laughs> like, But anyways, yeah. according to this, it said that uh Employees are more likely to feel like the responsibility to behave well is now on the is on the onus of the people monitoring them and no longer on themselves. I don't know if that makes sense or if that's just what they wrote to to try to make sense of it or whatever. But it, it, this is quote the author of the study quote <laughs> our study showed that monitoring employees causes them to subconsciously feel that they are less responsible for their own conduct, thus making it more likely to act immorally. End quote. Mm. So I feel like sometimes people who do studies don't actually understand their own studies. I'm not actually <laughs> sure if that's true, but what is true is that they are going to be more likely not to work hard and steal office supplies. So, wow, that is kind of surprising. 
I feel like this is uh, when we hear uh, most people, I guess, when you hear the term uh, employee monitoring, you probably kind of automatically associate it with all kinds of negative aspects of it but like what you said some work mm. some um i think if we're even if, if you haven't heard this term before there's one really familiar example that we have mm. all we've definitely all come across is when we call customer service mm. and that mm-hmm. recorded message before you get to actually talk to a human agent mm. um and it always goes for the purpose of our service this yeah. call may be recorded. That's kind of monitoring. That's a one type of employee monitoring as well. So some job requires mm-hmm. that. And then, it, you know, if you're doing customer service, that's kind of you, there's no way you can ever whether whatever study you do, that'll probably never be able to leave mm-hmm. the picture of that job. But some other job, if you're doing mm-hmm. desk jobs, office jobs, mm, I don't know. I don't know if it helps to put a camera in place to see what you're doing on your screen the whole time. Like we're already doing that with our coworkers walking by. I'm like, I'm going to make sure that they don't think I'm doing something that's not related to work. So I'm always super mindful about mm, what mm. I have on my computer screen. Well, I mean, I'm actually one of those people that's really not tech savvy. So I have a, I have my own laptop. Actually, I have a couple laptops. Then I have my work laptop. I would never do anything on my work laptop that's not related to work. That's not work related. Yep. In my mind, because I know so little about computers. I might be monitored all the time. If I was like to go to like, I don't know, watch some video on YouTube about like kittens, they would know. <laughs> they would know I was watching kittens, Alex. Then you would then just t- <laughs> then you tell them that that's what I need for my <laughs> for my sanity. <laughs> I'm thinking like all the jobs that I can think of, like that makes sense to have a camera there. So if you work in a gas station and you're like, you know, you sell potato chips and gas, right? Mm. It, you want a camera because someone might burgle you. You obviously you want to catch that perpetrator the bad the bad guy yeah and so that they don't keep robbing you every couple of weeks right yeah so if you were in a bank you obviously you want cameras there someone robs you or someone's stealing money you want to be able to track what's going on that makes sense definitely uh you work in a kindergarten or a school you want to make sure that the, because the children are hurt teacher can one of the things as a teacher it's not just about the safety of the kids i want to show that it wasn't me <laughs> like it was definitely i had nothing to do with that kid spilling over his desk oh so please God. put a camera in so that I can be, you know, it's for my own safety. I'm so happy that there's a camera inside of the school because I don't want to be someone to say it was me that, you know, knocked poor little Michael down or whatever. Yeah. So like, I think there are a lot of jobs where having cameras is ideal for the employee. I'm thinking what jobs don't have. So like cubicle work. So you're doing data, data input. Yeah. There's no reason to have a camera there. You can't. It's actually, at least for the company I work with, it's a very strict policy on taking even just photos in the office. You know how like mm. a lot mm. of the, the from like, you know, time to time when you're in office, you're like, I'm going to take a selfie, send it to my mom, send it to my b- b- boyfriend, send it to my <laughs> girlfriend, you know. But the company has a very strict policy um, saying that when you're taking selfies or taking just random photos you have to be very mindful Mm. that none of computer screen uh, none of computer screens 
are in your background uh-huh. just in case, you know, because of how Data. high definition the phones are nowadays, like the phone cameras are really high yeah, def yeah. and it, it could literally, it could very easily become a very unintentional data leak. Well, that actually, well, think about this. So you are a third party uh, company who does security monitoring and now you have access to video footage of people in cubicles working with highly sensitive exactly. data. Suddenly you're in a position to actually use that data that you're harvesting as a security guard to do who knows what kind of, yeah. you know, cause all kinds of trouble. So actually, that's that creates a new problem because now you have security officers who have access to data they probably shouldn't have access to. And what to. do you do with it? Do you report it? Do you not report it? Do you put it in the database? Do you not put it in the database? There's a lot of information, ethnical problems that you have to think about. Oh, yeah. I love you. I love you. This might be the easiest way to say I love you, since there are so many other romantic expressions. No matter if you're a rookie, or a sophisticated learner, there is definitely something that will interest you. Check out Takeaway Chinese, a world that starts with 你好. Experience the musical classics of the East. Mingle with the masters of Chinese music. Music talks. Witness the sound of antiquity and modernity. Listening to the bridge. I actually wanted to point out one other thing. This is only slightly related. I find it really interesting. In China, we have laws. You can't put pictures of other people's children on the internet, mm. like without their expressed consent. Coming from a background in teaching, a lot of teachers will post pictures of their class. Like at the Christmas recital, all smiling and beaming, and they'll post it on their social media, mm. which seems innocent, but is actually illegal. And so uh, mm. I posted a similar picture last year, 2020 or whatever, Christmas. I posted the, but I, I actually took the an app out yeah. and put a star over each of the faces of the children. Oh, So nice. each of the, they're all standing there in like their dance pose or whatever in their cute little outfits, but all their faces, <laughs> faces have been blurred by a star before I posted it on social media. It is against the law to post pictures of other people's children on social media. Without their parents' consent, I Yeah, assume. they have to fill out a form that says, yeah. like, you know, like maybe there's marketing people, they get permission. Yeah. But like just some teacher just pick posting pictures. It's actually you're not supposed to post pictures of your kids. I know that's supposed to be how things that's how things are supposed to be done anyways. I, guess. I was curious about this whole thing. Yeah. I have a little bit of background in some business certificates and mm-hmm. things from Harvard. Mm-hmm. And I knew. So this article that we got from Sophie Miller is from Harvard Business Review mm. and Harvard Business Review. They do a lot of research and some of it's available on line for free. So I got this next one, how to stop micromanaging your team. Oh my God. Now there's difference between managing and micromanaging. So if, if someone yes. finishes a portion of their product or their work, yes, the manager should look at the quality of that work and determine if it's not good enough or work needs to be done about it or yep. process improvement or all that kind of stuff or training, whatever. 
We're not talking about that. We're not talking about being a good manager and talking about like how to give feedback to your employees about the quality of their work. We're talking about people who are literally looking over your shoulder or want to be CC'd into every every email that you send. Yeah. Or this is from How to Stop Micromanaging Your Team by Rebecca Knight. And it is on the HarvardBusinessReview.org, HBR.org uh, website. Um, if you're the kind of boss who lasers in on details, prefers to be CC'd on emails and is rarely satisfied with your team's work, then there's no kind way to say this. You're a micromanager. So (laughs) I was thinking about people being monitored by camera is actually essentially micromanagement. So what I'd learned, not just from this article, but from taking a course on Mm. micromanaging, actually, I have a certificate on it, is that when people are over managed, not because they've reached certain points, like important nodes in the outcome of their product, but actually throughout that process, then uh, they will do lower quality work. They will actually work less well. They will try to do it as close to the vision of the person managing them as possible, mm-hmm. which is not going to be OK. So, so let's say we have a boss his, or her name is uh, Lisa mm-hmm. and Lisa's managing Harry. Mm-hmm. Now, Lisa will try to communicate to Harry all of the things she wants Harry to do very carefully. <laughs> Harry will only understand some of what Lisa said, and he won't have her internal vision of what she really wants. So he will not do what Harry thinks is a good idea because he's overmanaged by Lisa. So he will try to give Lisa exactly what he has understood from her articulations, which will not be as good as what Lisa wants. <laughs> and so ultimately, the product will not be as good as ne- either Harry or Lisa wants the product to look like. So in fact, according to what the research that I've read is let Harry do the best job he thinks he knows how to do. Mm. Now, if it's not very good or there are certain problems, coach him, train him, show him other ways to improve the quality of parts of his work so that the next time Harry envisions how he's going to complete the project, he can complete the project well. But like if you manage someone at every point, you're essentially saying we don't trust you to have a vision for how this is going to come out. And then if you have a lot of reports, you're going to have a lot of reports all not producing good quality work. So this goes back to basically having cameras. If cameras are staring down at people, they're not going to do the kind of quality work that they think that they should be doing. They're going to do what they think their leader wants, Mm. which is sometimes not as good as either what the leader wants or how what employees or as good as they think they could. do. Yeah, yeah, that's that's actually exactly what I was thinking about, like why micromanaging is not is not a good idea. I've worked with people, whether they're clients or people that I worked with or my supervisor who just love to micromanage. The only thing you get out of that is your sense of fake participation in every part of the job. Mm. But people like function in different ways. Mm. I went to I went to this website called peoplemanagingpeople.com mm. and there's an article called uh what is employee monitoring and I I really like how they kind of defined it and I think this is a this is a good example to 
put this idea in people's mind and know what has to be there to make employee monitor- monitoring not something that's so, like a monstrous mm-hmm, mm-hmm. action that is going to cause you know that's that's counterproductive so it says that employee monitoring aims to provide a sense of control over members mm-hmm. of a corporate organization through collecting data and companies can use an employee monitoring solution to improve productivity efficiency or employee engagement however they should not overcome the importance mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. trust and progressive organizations understand the need to embed trust into every aspect of the uh, organizational culture and they would diligently use employee tracking in conjunction with uh, transparent company policy and honest expectations when talking with employees and i when i was reading that i was like oh that's really that's a actually really good way of putting it into a good perspective of what benefit employee monitoring could have and a lot of people would probably stop at oh we're doing this to improve productivity efficiency and engagement but the thing is that they mm-hmm, forget about mm-hmm. trust and the scenarios that we mm-hmm. were talking about is like i want to know everything you're doing every second that's <laughs> on the base of complete distrust mm-hmm. like i don't mm-hmm. think i don't trust that you could use the time efe- efficiently mm-hmm. i don't trust that you will be yeah even when i'm looking at cute kitten photos maybe <laughs> i'm looking for inspirations or i'm taking a mental break so i could further dedicate myself to the next two hours i'm going to put in this work so if it's on the base of distrust then nothing is going to help in that you know with the purpose that the 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 company has in mind want to learn about world affairs in a more laid-back and accessible manner Join insiders, experts, and analysts in the casual setting of the chat lounge to hear their personal experiences and opinions on major events and hot issues. Subscribe to Chat Lounge for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China Africa Talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get an hour wavelength every week to find out what's real with China Africa Talk. Find us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, and more. We'll see you there. You're listening to The Bridge. Let's look at some abstract examples. I think actually it might be helpful. I have another article I want to quote. Mm. It also talks about trust. But I mean, if we just look at some abstract examples, let's say you have a, a direct report and you want them to write you a report about anything. Let's say um, the new, a new product idea that like you've been working on. You want them to write a report about the viability of that in the market. So mm. if you tell them all the things that you want in that report, all you're going to get back is what you want in that report. Mm. But if if that direct report writes a report with trust 
that you've stepped back and allowed them to do it themselves, they're going to show you insights that you didn't see. So one of the differences between micromanaging and not is that employees will surprise you. Mm. Employees will give you new angles to look at things, new angles to see things as opposed to just regurgitating what you want. If we are the manager, right? And we're telling everyone everything that they should do. The only thing that gets done is our vision of something. And no matter how um, brilliant one person is, that's only one person's insight into the market. Yeah, we, we need to realize that other people, like you said, have other kinds of skills and are going to see other angles in the market and are going to be able to increase the product's viability by envisioning the, how that product or process is going to be, be able to be improved. Here's some principles. Mm. from Harvard Business to do and don'ts. Three do's and three don'ts. So firstly, above this, it says build trust. And it also says, know your employees' limitations, which just goes back to training, you know, because people do need training, not what to do, but how to do things. So principles to remember do. Ask yourself why you micromanage and reflect on your need for control. Do refine your to-do list by prioritizing the tasks and projects that matter to you most. Do talk to your team Mm. about how you'd like to be kept appraised about their progress. Okay. Don't renege on your vote of confidence and tell your reports you trust them and then micromanage them. (laughs) Don't overreact when things don't go exactly like you'd like like them to. (sighs) Don't go too far. You don't want to become a hands-off boss. So so obviously it's important. So we're making something. Mm. We're making widgets. Okay. Let's make widgets. (laughs) (laughs) That comes from an old movie from 1980s. Anyways, um, we're making widgets. You do want to go into the factory floor and look at the widgets at the halfway point and see how are the widgets coming along Mm. and what they look like coming off the assembly line before they go into packaging and what the packaging looks like. But you don't need to follow the widgets along every single point in the process and make sure everyone is pulling the lever just right. You know, you do want to train people initially on how to pull those levers, obviously. But, you know, we need to make sure that we're uh, letting people yeah. let's look at this differently again. If we allow people to do something, mm. maybe they do it differently than we had envisioned it being done, but the product is still coming out in a high quality way. There's a chance that they've actually created process improvements. And depending on other ways to do it, we could align with how some of the aspects in the way that they're doing it can actually be tr- used as future trainings for other people on the team yeah. as well. Um, I, I've actually personally worked with people who take pride in and being a quote unquote hands on boss, mm-hmm. the person was bragging to the client and says that um, and said that, oh, I would <laughs> I would look over everyone's shoulder when they're working <laughs> the whole time and I would do it myself. And I, I was sitting in the meeting thinking, you really genuinely think that this is a good quality about a manager. <laughs> right? I was like, he genuinely thought that this is something that is wow. so good that people should appreciate. I'm like, in, in that industry that I worked in, it was the animation industry. Mm. The reason why we have a team is to shorten the period that it would need to produce an animation. Even if you have someone mm who's mm-hmm. good at all steps of animation producing and animation uh, making in general mm. that person would take forever to come up to like it would that take that person 20 years to finish an, an a feature animation film and you want to say you're a good leader of this company 
you're not going to look over everyone's shoulder every, all the time. Like when you say that, if the client knows the industry, they know that the only outcome of that action is you are slowing down and messing up every department on the pipeline,、mm. uh, and you're making it impossible to have a to have a good product coming coming out at the the agreed deadline. And、um, I don't know if you when you were I I was looking like I used to look for jobs a lot when I was in the states and I was using this website called Indeed.com.、Um, hmm. Have you have you used it? It's an interesting. No, it just sounds like a really interesting name for a website. Indeed was actually Indeed was I think Indeed. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> it's a smart wordplay.、Mm. At least I think. I mean,、uh, two of my favorite job hunting websites are LinkedIn and Indeed. And then on Indeed, they publish these articles to to help people with not just job hunting, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. getting employment opportunities. They also have articles for managers to look at what you're doing to help people in all sorts of aspects that are related to employment. And there's actually an article about. Uh, micromanaging, and there are signs of a micromanager.、Mm. So I saw this article on、uh, Indeed dot com, and it's about it's basically an article about what is、mm. micromanagement, and it says it lists out the signs、mm. of a micromanager because a lot of people, I imagine, a lot of people at work. Including people I've worked with are not aware that their manager is being is is micromanaging. All or they, they don't understand the negative aspects. Exactly why、and、it slows down productivity. The employees、yeah. that are being micromanaged would feel like I、uh, I just feel so much pressure and I feel like I am being watched, but they don't know the the root reason why. And here are the signs. If you're seeing these signs at work,、mm. according to Indeed.com, then you know that your manager is micromanaging, and then they will offer some solutions that you can you know use. To solve this problem, so some of the signs are: if your manager,、mm. if the managers don't often delegate work, like you say, "Oh, we're gonna do this," but he doesn't, he or she doesn't say,、mm. you know, Jason's going to take care of the planning, Alex is going to take care of the execution, and then the, someone else is going to take off the communication. If they don't delegate, that's one sign.、Mm. Another sign is they would ask for frequent project or task updates and expect overly detailed reports. Wow! So basically, you spend all your time updating about what you're doing instead of doing something. Exactly, and I've had people in my work who's like, "Oh, give me a report of what you've done in the past day." I'm like, "No, I'm not going to spend half an hour just doing that because I need to do more on my actual job instead of making you feel like you're in control." So, and then another sign is they insist on documenting. All work processes. You know, I don't know if you had this, but I know some companies、wow. during the pandemic. I know I've never had that. That's crazy, right? I know that some companies or teams were asking their people during the pandemic to like generate a daily work report. Like, what time did you get up? What time did you sit in、oh、front of the、gosh. computer? Like, what time did you do your? And then, like, you would literally. I think it's an hour a day gone just on things like this. That is so、right? mind numbing. <laughs> and, and they would also focus on unimportant details versus big picture.、Mm. I don't know why I've <laughs> I've seen all of these signs and different jobs I've had. <laughs> I would have、uh, supervisors who would really not listen to the ideas that were pitched. 
switching, but like I don't like this color. This color is off-putting, or um, I don't think this page should be here. It should be like two pages before that. So things like that. If you're you would as an employee, I feel like we would probably naturally feel like, oh, I'm not providing a perfect plan. I'm not presenting something that is satisfying. But you have to learn to listen to what are the feedback that you. What's the feedback that you're getting from your your manager? And if it's all small details、mm. instead of never the big picture, then you might think start thinking about other looking for other signs. And I'm not gonna read through all of it, but there also is one more sign that you that's probably very prominent that they will feel that if、mm-hmm. the team wants to do something right, then the things need to be done by themselves, like by that person. Like I、yeah. I have to put my hands on it. Otherwise, no matter what you guys do, what you guys on my team, what you guys do. It'll never、wow. be correct. You know, I have a couple of、yeah. coworkers, and they are、um, very detail oriented folks, and they're they're very good at stuff because we have, which is a good quality. We have a shared office, and so that shared office stays very organized because these two folks. But I also would be very scared if these two folks became the leaders, because then they would make <laughs> everyone else like follow their like really meticulous detail kind of、mm. stuff. From north to south, east to west, people in China are chasing their dreams and leaving their mark. Want to know how they beat the odds and made a difference? Footprints brings you the true life stories of their journeys. You're listening to the Bridge. One of the reasons I brought this topic up and I wanted to talk about this is because we're a bridging show. We're talking about the culture.、And、what I think is interesting is in both China and the U.S.,、yes. you have some leaders who this is a problem for, and then some leaders who this is、yeah. not a problem for. So this is not a China's like this. And America's like this, you know, book by some guy who 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 gets on the top hundred bestsellers, which is sad. That kind of stuff happens all the time. But this is actually the reality: is you'll encounter you know, micromanagers in China and people who are good at delegating,、mm. and you'll find you'll encounter micromanagers in the U.S. and people who are good at delegating. So this is not a China's this way and America's、oh, that way thing. Not this is more of like some people need the trainers sometimes need trainings. On how to、uh, be better at letting go and and trusting that as long as the product comes out good, the way the product got there is also you know that's a viable method for it getting there. Yeah, that should go without saying that trainers need constant training. I, in my opinion,、mm-hmm. because of maybe because of the company that I work with. I think trainers or leaders need more training. More, yeah, because they have to train others. Yeah, exactly, because they are the ones that are kind of relaying the message and the spirits and the goals of the product of the company to people that are their direct reports. And if they have the wrong idea,、mm-hmm. it's not just one person having a wrong idea. <laughs> it's it's the whole team or it's the whole. Downstream of the pipeline, having the wrong idea, so、mm-hmm. there definitely needs to be more trainings and constant reminders of this put in place. And I understand why some managers like to be, you know, more hands-on. If we want to put it nicely, it might be because that this person has had incompetent、uh, team players. Reports. Yeah. 
But if you are, but here's the thing, like, again, on that same article, there's a there are reasons why people would like to micromanage. But if you really look at all the reasons that are listed out, it still comes it still comes down to and I hate to say this because the only reason that are kind of like objective reason, like an external reason is the incompetency of your team members. But if you are a, an experienced or skilled management person, you would not do that because when you're micromanaging, mm. it's another way of showing that you are in loss of control over the projects and you probably not secure. And that's the trust that we're talking about. It's Mm -hmm. kind of a lower or poor self-image or insecurity that is leading you trying to get into every detail of your uh, of your team members work instead of, you know, really trying to direct them and build a system Mm -hmm. that would request request the least amount of human eyes and human labor on yeah 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 speaking of the least amount of human eyes or oversight on something Mm. one when i was a a middle manager for many 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 years for a big corporation one of the things my leaders uh i guess they would not be middle managers they would be actual top managers would say to us was it's not how your team performs when you're there that matters it's how your team performs if you're not there exactly if if you build a system of trust and you put your faith in people and people know that you have your faith in them. You give the appropriate tools to do their job, Mm. trainings and understandings about why things are a certain way and what the end product is supposed to be and why, what the company's larger goals and vision for why it's done that way are. Then when you leave, they should all know to keep all the nuts and bolts of everything moving along smoothly. But if you leave, they're like, yeah, yay, he's not watching us anymore. <laughs> we can all look at cat videos now. Then it's because you didn't set up like the proper Jason's, infrastructure in the first Jason's place. Jason's happy hour looking at cat videos. But- <laughs> I'm sorry, but sometimes on Instagram, I get this problem <laughs> where like I see a cat video or some dog making friends with a horse and then I'll click like. Oh God. And then suddenly I'm inundated with horses and dogs playing. Together. Your entire feed is. <laughs> yep. Yep. I know. I know exactly. I have the same. I have the same problem currently. It's all recommended travel videos <laughs> that I just don't have the time or the money to go on the vacations. And they're just like nonstop beach videos. Hey, go here. I'm like, oh, God, you have to be really careful with those algorithms. As soon as they show you like this is Venice and you're like, wow, that is beautiful. And you click like you're never going to see the end of European vacations on, on your feed. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Sorry, we're off point, but I know I want to talk about some other aspects uh you know this is actually your field actually if you did like cross-cultural competency training mm-hmm. or something yeah so we're actually in your field to some extent but i wanted to kind of veer off of micromanagement a little bit and talk about how to build a really good team and and i did want to talk about some really obvious ex- differences between china and the united states that exist okay in america there are kind of two or three basic kinds of team building One of them is you're not actually leaving the office. You're playing some, I I wanted to say stupid game, but I'm going to (laughs) say a silly game where everyone has a special hat with a card on it and you have to figure out what card is on your hat or something, something wonderful like that. And then um, you do it in the office before like a meeting or after a meeting or something. And here's one that we did a few times. Everyone has a big, thick piece of paper taped to their back and everyone is given like Mark felt markers and you have to go around and write one adjective that describes that person in a positive and 
kind way and you have like 10 minutes and you have to write at least something on at least 10 people's back or something like that. Yeah. And everyone's frantically running around writing on each other's paper so that when at the end of the team building, you take your paper off and you read a bunch of nice words about yourself from your teammates. <laughs> These are the kind, this is one of the big team building ideas that Americans uh. have. Another one is uh, people that, who are not, with the manager decide to do their own ad hoc team building, which means going to get a beer after work. But in yeah. China, team building is not this in China. Team building means getting in a bus about every one or three months or something and going out to some place to like do paintball <laughs> or to go rowing in boats or to have a barbecue jungle gyms. Jungle gyms. Yeah. So that the whole entire like, workplace at least your division or department or whatever minimum goes and likes does something together for the day on a saturday that usually ends up with barbecue or hot pot at the end or something yeah like that. so it's a very <laughs> hot pot it's always. very different and it's it's much more involved and it's usually on your own time and it's usually something that's voluntary but everyone goes anyway yeah and, and it's usually uh cost the company a dime you know it's not cheap yeah because you have to i think you pay for everybody's transportation accommodation and then the fee that it takes to uh, use the jungle gym or use the paintball area just for your team. It won't be there won't be a lot of times there won't be other customers or it won't be other tourists on site. It'll just be your team so that you can have this environment dedicated to just you guys exploring, working together and trying to get to know each other. Um, uh, I I personally would not want to do that just because how physically clumsy I am. I don't want to go to jungle gym. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be a danger to myself and other people. So <laughs> I went to a uh, bouncy. It was a bouncy place in Beijing where you jump on trampolines and play games by throwing balls at each other and stuff. It was actually a lot of fun i think someone did sprain their what? ankle at some point though <laughs> yeah yeah and you're dealing with a hundred people and trampoline someone's gonna sprain their well ankle. i mean i actually oh I, oh here's one this was really traumatic i i don't want to say who or what company but we went out to do quad racing and have a barbecue the people who were running this facility were really careful to never let us go above a certain speed and everyone found it really annoying <laughs> but then at one point for 10 seconds the guy who was leading us who was the the leader of the facility yeah. started went really fast it was like right before we got back to the base and it was like almost over and the person in front of me went really fast too. It was like just them two. And I was like, I ain't doing that. And they flipped their quad. Oh. <laughs> and so this poor lady, she got a sprained ankle. Oh God. She went to the hospital. They took her immediately to the hospital. They left. But it was really funny to me later. Not, not funny, I guess. Interesting is this lady, she came back like three hours later. I know. So after she went to the hospital and got like a bandage, she returned. She's like, I can still do it. I can be at the team building. <laughs> I'm, I'm at coming to this barbecue. You can't stop. Me. I'll, I'll show everyone my perseverance. And yeah, exactly. You're, you're not going to stop me. And remember this when we go back to the office. This is who I am. <laughs> I am the lady who came back. I would have totally been like, I'm not coming back, guys. I'm undefeatable. <laughs> the whole the whole team building thing in China went through waves as well. I think it started in the 90s when, mm. you know, right after a couple years after the opening up and reform, and we started trying to get ideas from how to build a team and how to make everybody 
everybody work together more efficiently and collaborate mm. efficient way. And there are more corporates that are uh, coming into life and they're mm. constantly searching different management wisdom from mm. other parts of the world. So they started doing all kinds of team building events. And I remember starting to hear about my mom's companies doing team building in like maybe uh, the first decade of the 21st century, like 20, 2005 to 2008, I remember she was taking her employees to those sites that we talked about and they would go on for two days and they would drink, they would talk and they would do some kind of lottery. There's like a nice price pool. But at the same time, there's also a lot of companies that were like forcing people to do team building. And for example, like I am not comfortable with physical mm -hmm. events, <laughs> like like yeah. know, the jungle gym yeah. or whatever. Um, But some employees feel like it's a lot of pressure so they feel like they have to go do it mm, and mm. that created a little bit of a backlash on the the word team building and some people are starting to opposed to it but i think since uh for during the past uh, six or seven eight years there has been a lot of really 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 creative ways to do team mm. building and I'm, i don't know if you've heard of them but oh, please please thing, tell us i'm sure everyone's yeah, interested of course there's like all kinds of physical ones and then the ones that are very very obviously corporate training styled team building like writing mm. nice things it's like it, it's so on the nose it's super expository like we want you to be nice to each other after this training so you can work together better oh. but there are trainings now uh for example i have friends in uh living in china they're a group of improv actors and they have been working in this field for 12 13 years and developed a very interesting system to they would use their system and look at their client whatever company they're working with mm -hmm. and kind of just marry their spirits with the company culture spirit and then design a an improv program for their employees to a help them relax b help them try and see the fun of being very mm -hmm. you know impromptu and thinking on the spots that's not work related mm. and then c kind of help them take over from each other because when you're doing improv together you have to say yes and no but or something uh, i'm not sure i haven't done it myself i've watched it done, but i haven't done it myself and at the same time it's kind of like this session for example if your company's uh culture is to, mm. for example, embrace change, then this you're going to in a very something very remote, detached from your work, but understand the same spirit and different types of team building events mm. like that. You could also have your own mini play designed for your team. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like they would their, their teams <laughs> wow. in place. You could pay them. I mean, I would do it now. But five years ago, me would be like, I'm sick that day, <laughs> like a month ahead of time. I feel very sick. I would probably still do that. <laughs> no, now I would be like it you know i would be quoting shakespeare i'd come out with like a skull in my hand totally that would be awesome right i've evolved as a person and i think that would be so much fun yeah but like five years ago me would say no way am i going to be in a play with my like co-workers yeah have you done <laughs> video game uh, team building? No, what's that? You just play video games? <laughs> Pretty much. Or do you dress up as Mario and, <laughs> yeah, a, and just run around the company? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a it's it's a, a very meticulously designed video game that you have to work on work on together. Like usually it's a team of four or six people and you have to solve these puzzle uh, online. Oh, it's like escape room kind of, but kind digital. of, but like just on a computer, which is so I, I loved it. I was like, I will never go to an escape room. I would never go do that. It's just I'm so scared of it. If you fail, they let you out. You know, you don't have to 
stay there forever, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like if you don't get out, that's it for Alex. Well, thank you, Jason. (laughs) It's so much pressure, Jason. It's so much pressure. I have to open this door. If I can't open this door, me and the people with me are physically locked in that. I mean, I've never done it, but there's a ton of them in China, too. It's really hot out here. Yeah. Another one is in America, I think it's the Christmas party, but in China, it's the annual banquet. Yeah. So like I've done so many annual banquets and what they do is like, so say there's four or five of your locations or divisions, they'll have four or five big tables Always. with alcohol on them, like beer and wine and stuff. And there's this big stage. And sometimes there's like different people who have volunteered to sing <laughs> horrible songs for but you. But that's the best. That's better than the, the good singers. The horrible singers are the best. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> No, 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 they're not. It's ter- okay. What what we did one time with my former company is every division had to uh-huh. make videos. So they each made their own two minute movie. And then like there was also singing. <laughs> These were the worst movies you ever saw. <laughs> AKA the best. I insist. <laughs> no, no, no. They're, they're shamefully bad. Like with coworkers acting, like doing something that's really not interesting. And the people can, you could tell they poured their heart into making these terrible movies yeah. that are just awful home movies, but at work. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun, no? Mm. No, <laughs> Jason said, I disagree. I feel like at these banquets, they need to hire professional entertainment. Mm, I felt like I have either done that or, oh, I think we did it at one uh, one time when we were in college because I did acapella in college. Mm, we mm, got mm. asked to go to this uh, this uh, annual banquet to just do a quick song because it's, it's also, it's like a big company. I can't remember what it was. We just went because we're like, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> we're students. Could use some extra cash. And so we did it. Mm, mm, um, mm. But we were not professionals, I guess. You know, actually, this does happen in, in America because I was on the working side of one of these one time and they dressed me up in this like a, a zoot suit ah. and I had to pass out T-shirts. Some of my friends were like professional jugglers, actually. And and don't ask me about it. And then <laughs> they were actually. I will, I'll ask. I'll ask uh, Summer to send me <laughs> They were. Ju- I wasn't juggling. And they were juggling and stuff and it was all set up really nice and, and things like mm-hmm. that. But I think this was an exceptionally ex- like wealthy company because people were showing up and there were like I know. valets and stuff. Yeah. That, I mean, not a lot of, not every company could uh, afford. Most American yeah, companies don't do that. Yeah. And not a lot of companies could afford, uh, honestly, you know, professional performers. Also, all the annual banquets kind of happen around the same time. And those professional performance people are probably in hot demands and it'll cost them a fortune. But the reason why I was saying that, you know, I was asking whether the singing was fun or the videos was fun is because if you go on social media around those times, that's usually when your employee's creativity really goes through like out of the roof and they are, mm. they would produce things that are so unexpectedly awesome and fun. Oh, so you were saying the impact on their work is very positive. Yeah. And uh. then like one of the examples was uh, the, if you've uh-huh. heard of the new Oriental School, there used to be, you know, before the uh, government switch on the education policy. The double reduction Double reduction policy, policy right? So the New Rental School used to be a very big uh, education institute mm-hmm. and they had their uh, banquet at a big place and it's a big stage 
and I think it was six of the employees. They remade a popular Douyin song into their complaint about people within the company、oh. not doing actual work, but. We're talking about micromanaging, doing showy off stuff, you know.、Uh, and it was so smartly written. It was hilarious, and all of the senior management of the company were just laughing on their seat and their seat just about how genius the the, the complaints are. Like it's like a roast,、mm. and it was very very well done. Oh, that's another thing. Roast.、Like, it, that is such not a good idea for. Oh my gosh, can you imagine a bunch of employees getting up and making comedy like comedic remarks, insulting each other? How you? Gonna work with that person <laughs> next week. I think it's, <laughs> most of the time they complain about because、uh, my company actually does this, and I know other companies that also do. You know, stand up comedy style or or roast what we call、uh, in Chinese we call tu tao. It's basically like a funny way of insulting people, complaining about stuff. Not、uh-huh. really. You know, I know the roast in the states is very <laughs> much、It's、brutal about、oh, yeah. insulting, but like what we do here is kind of like you know, for example, or it's usually pointing. At upper management as well, so like the companies would、mm. put upper management in the hot seat, and they have to watch their、uh, employees do. And some a lot of times, the the company would hire professional stand up comedians instead of writers to write the jokes for them, and then、uh. they would do a quote unquote roast on their upper management. And it surprised me. And I know a lot of people think Chinese people are really like serious, really rigid, and they don't want to like it's 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 order class respect. You know, you can't break that. But a lot of big corporates here. Now are super open to this, and they they record the videos. The videos go online, and people laugh at the jokes because the jokes are funny, and it's actual problems that you would have、um, at your work. And your boss goes <laughs> home and cries, and, <laughs> and then Alex, I need to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, and your and your boss and your boss does that to complain about、uh, her boss or his boss. Oh yeah, a million, a billion. Or maybe a gazillion years ago, a giant split open an egg. Then came the lady giant, who made people, and Mr. Curious, the botanist, Mr. Handyman, the Baron on the tree. This is our new season of Chinese folk tales, and we will explore the ancient mystical world together. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You're listening to the bridge. So we started this show talking about what it's like to work under literally、uh, cameras, and then a little bit about micromanaging, and now we're talking about team building. Yeah,、uh, we're close to the end of the show. Not, we still have some time, but I wanted to talk: How can we promote people our direct reports to、mm. be motivated to work well? What are the good ways? To motivate people to work well, how do how do we motivate teams to work well together? And maybe you know, how do we get one or two individuals who are not as working well with the rest of the team to maybe open up to、yeah. better interpersonal communication and being better producers of、uh, you know final product? So, what do you think? <laughs> This is your field, so you'd go first, and then I'll fill it in with my guesses. <laughs> sure. I mean, for me, I've seen all different types of. I know there are a lot of activities that are designed to break the Ice for the team members, but sometimes these activities are a little bit pretentious and a little bit on the nose that defeats its original purpose. One way that after、mm. uh, getting to know different teams, working with new teams, and having constant change in the stakeholders of my team, 
I found one thing that is really basic and it's very traditional that actually helps a lot and people don't give it enough credit, uh, which I actually want my current team to do is mm. to just schedule a one on one with every single person of your immediate team when you first join the team. Mm. It sounds like it's a lot of work. It sounds like it's going to be really awkward. You don't know who these people are. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's it's, you know, I want to get to know the work. I want to observe everybody, yada, yada, yada. But when I did that, the first time I joined my last team, it was I think I had an amazing short working experience with the team before uh, change happened was because I was able to have a one on one with every single one of them. I had I think I remember mm. I had 13 one on one sessions within the first mm. uh, week and a half. I was just talking to everybody. And in the beginning, you were like, I don't know what to ask. But after you have three or four sessions, you start to have better questions to ask the people that you're going to meet up with um, afterwards. And you really could see how people treat uh, new people on the team in a very private setting. Because it's not like when you're like, oh, we're going to do icebreaking and oh, we're all going to sit together. And then at that point. And this is not a negative thing, but everyone at work wears a mask. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So when you're talking to everyone with the mask on as a newcomer, in a way, it actually makes you feel even more insecure or even more confused or or you feel more, you know, your judgments are even a little more clouded. Mm. So I really, I really think just having one-on-one sessions, just not too long, schedule half an hour, talk to everybody one-on-one and go down for a coffee, ask them to show you somewhere in the building that you don't know how to get to, ask them to go for a walk with you downstairs, um, anything. And it really, it helps opening up a first stage of communication. And from there on, then any website that offers uh, advice on building work relations would work just fine for you. I I like the idea of one-on-one. Uh, because as a middle manager in the past, I used to have one-on-ones with every report that I had. It was required mm. every two weeks. Every two weeks, you needed to yeah. have a 30-minute one-on-one with everyone. Sometimes it was sit down for five minutes. I'm really busy. You know, this is what's going on. Yeah. Cool. All right. Bye. I ha- I want to get back to work. Great. Yeah. Bye. And sometimes it was like they really wanted to talk. They had a lot going on. They wanted to talk about their personal life even. And that was fine. You know, it, it was, <laughs> no, I basically. It's not too much information. <laughs> did I did become a lot of people's like a. Uh, psychiatrist i felt like i was like oh wow this is a lot of stuff about you know what's going on at home (laughs) but you know they really wanted to be understood in that way so that mattered to them yeah and so but you know what i have found lately because i'm still in a leadership role Mm -hmm. is that swapping roles not for me but like for them so i have people work together in teams Mm -hmm. sometimes we create reasons why someone else needs to take their role for like 30 minutes a week and so what's really nice about that is they're like well what do i do well you do their role so they're going to take your role for 30 minutes and then you are going to provide support for them. And I think this is a great opportunity for everyone to see what it's like in each other's roles. And so when they go back to their own role, they have a better idea of how to communicate with the other person because they know what the other person needs Mm. in that role. And I think that can be very, very helpful. We were talking to, um, uh, he does the voiceovers recently Uh, on the show. Todd, yeah. We were talking to him and one of the things he said he appreciates is when he learns about what it, it means 
begins to do other roles like yeah. post-production, for example. Yes. So he learns about how to do post-production. Then he knows about what, how to do his role better as a voiceover expert so that when he's completing his product and passes it to post, he knows that they need it in a certain mm. way. He needs to make sure for me right now, I'm, I have my mouth a certain distance from the microphone and I am sitting here for a long time talking with you. <laughs> Sometimes I, I get excited. I'm rocking around and moving in my position. Yeah. And I get told by post, hey, uh, don't do that. Yes. <laughs> It messes with the sound quality. Mm. And I had to listen in to post-production a lot of time and watch them do their jobs so that I could understand how really brutal it is for them to try to fix it. So I have to hold still really carefully now. I think the important thing in there you said, and it's not just for for managers managing their direct reports. It's also for people who need to manage up since we started Mm -hmm. started the episode with talking about micromanaging. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways to really help with the situation having a micromanager is to try to understand their behavior you know Mm. potentially you could try to reduce their their behavior if you try to understand their stress level of course this is not to excuse Mm -hmm. any of the behaviors but think of ways to calm them down and assure your manager that i plan to complete my work before the deadline and then just recognize that (laughs) they have other responsibilities to focus on and again ask for one-on-one meetings with your manager and see if what you're saying to your manager is helping alleviating their concerns. And if as your communication increases, the situation gets better, then, you know, you're creating a better work environment for yourself as well. Well, you know, um, we are out of time. I feel like we could go on about this. So maybe we'll have to come back and rebroach the issue in the future. But for the time being, listen into our next episode for more insights and be part of Bridging East and West. Thank you for your time as always, Alex. Thank you, Jason. I'll talk to everybody on our next episode.